Chiefs Kingdom, what is going on? You are back. This is another Coach's Corner. This is actually episode 10 of the Coach's Corner. I am Justin. I'm joined, as always, by my guy, Caleb. Caleb, what's going on? Oh, we've been through 10 of these now, 10 weeks of absolutely unreal happenings across the country. But I think one consistent thing throughout these 10 weeks has been that Justin and I have been able to break down some NFL football for you. And luckily for, I think, everybody, uh, rookies reported to training camp today for the Kansas City Chiefs and the Houston Texans. Uh, We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the NFL versus the NFLPA and a few more things on the show. Yes, we are. And let's get right into that because there's been a lot of developments. Um, You know, we started putting the show together and we're talking about how the other day the players started that whole hashtag, we want to play, all that. Everybody tweeting, Mahomes tweeting at people, J.J. Watts putting out a list of things that they still didn't know. Um, There seemed to be no tests, no plans no nothing by the nfl in place for this entire covid thing which is just kind of mind-blowing when you think about it because they've had four months they've seen what happened in the mlb they've seen the pga tour now be playing being putting themselves in a bubble and their players really have not been testing positive so they've seen how to do it and how to not do it really by other sports that have gone and they've kind of just not done anything, but it seems that they're starting to make some moves. You know, I really, I'm not sure what world the NFL owners and Roger Goodell were living in. Cause I remember one of the things everybody talked about was, Oh, the NFL has time on its side. They've got time on their side to get things figured out and get things squared away. And As we just saw, things have gotten horrendously out of control almost. I won't say out of control, but it seems like there was a lack of preparation. And we see the players sending these tweets out, just bombing everyone's Twitter feed. We're seeing it from Rappaport and Schefter all putting this stuff up at the same time. It's a bad look for the NFL, and I get it. There are some people that are like, well, if they don't want to go to work, then they shouldn't be paid or if they're not going to do this and that. Okay. I understand that. I understand there's a lot of people in America struggling right now. I would be willing to bet most every company that a lot of listeners and a lot of NFL fans are work for put together something in place to be able to figure out a way to effectively go throughout their day and not contract the coronavirus. And while we're also talking about this, I don't believe that most people's day jobs will include them lifting weights or running around 90 other people plus about 100 members of support staff, as well as eventually what we're going to see running into each other. So there's a lot of things that I can see the players being concerned about because honestly, between all the major professional sports, their football, they have the most people. They have the most staff around them. It's going to be the hardest to figure something out. And I see where the players' frustration comes because for the last four months, the NFL has been adamant we're going to play. And they've good from we're going to have a full stands to, okay, now we're going to have lesser than capacity crowds. 
And I think that it's just building up as I think the NFL didn't really want to address the problem where maybe they thought that we were going to be in a better place as a country right now. That's also a possibility. But I think just looking at the current climate of things, it's a really bad look on the NFL. And I think the players maybe have somewhat swayed the public opinion away from seeing them just as like these money grubbing athletes to like these are people with real problems who are experiencing who like have different, who have things that are concerning to them. Cause I know that these things would be concerning to me and I know that they'd be concerning to a lot of our listeners, families also. And that's the thing. Like you see like a Russell Wilson, he tweeted out, he's like, uh, my wife's pregnant. Like what's, what's my plan? Like what, what are we doing when I come home? Am I knowing that I'm going to be safe and I'm not going to be giving this coronavirus to my, to my pregnant wife. And I, that's a legitimate concern. I mean, it's a legitimate concern for people across the country. Uh, I think there's a lot of people in similar situations. Um, you know, the thing that you go back to again too, is that it, it and this is something that always kind of blows my mind in these situations is that when under, whenever it's pitted the owners against the athletes in, in any type of bargaining type of situation, I, I can never kind of put myself on the side of the owners. I'm always going to side with the players in these cases. And everybody gets mad at the players saying, oh, they're just, they want money. They want money. They're going to do all this for the money. Well, you're siding with the owners who are billionaires. Like you're so you'd rather have the billionaire getting home and make money because if the players don't play, it's going to affect them way more than it is going to affect the owners. Like flat out, the owners are still going to make their money for a lot of these guys. This is a second, second tier thing. This isn't, they don't usually, most of them don't just do football as, as their, as their main occupation, right? They got their money from somewhere else. So it, it hurts the players more than anything. So they do want to play, but they just want to know that there's been steps to make sure that they're safe. Um, it looks like from some of the recent tweets by Schefter and Rappaport and all those guys that they're making progress on a contingency plan on some sort of plan, at least. And that would include no preseason games, which to me, I think that's, that's kind of a big deal for a multitude of reasons. Um, we've already gone through, uh, June with no two OTAs, you know, we're in the middle or middle end of July and there's been no OTAs still and you got rookies you got um, new, new accusations players coming over learning new systems and stuff you have guys that haven't been going through like actual training yes you can train at home but it's not the same as being being looked over by a strength and conditioning coach at a facility, you know, <laughs> that has everything that you need there, including all the stuff you need to rehab your body during this time um, when you're when you're working out. So to me, I find that very interesting, you know, especially the no preseason thing, because that could affect a lot of people. You know, normally we see the four preseason games and it's, First game, the starters go a drive, maybe two, and then it's just backups all the way. Second game, starters maybe go to the end of the first quarter, and then it's backups the rest of the way. Third preseason game, starters go three quarters, unless it was last year and you're the Chiefs, and you can just start resting people after the first quarter because you already know what you're looking at. But most teams will play their starters into the third quarter and then rest them, and then the fourth game is usually just all bubble guys on the roster who need the film, who need the game reps for the coaches to see how they're going to handle themselves. Is four preseason games too many? Yes. 
Does the preseason have no value at all? No. Because like you say, from that conditioning standpoint, with the games, you can kind of gauge where you're at and where your team is at and how much more they're going to have to do. Because, you know, they usually have about, from that third preseason game where the most of the starters are going to have, they'll have like a two or a three, they'll have like a two and a half week window to continue getting in top shape to get into that game shape for week one. I mean, if I were some NFL head coaches, I'd be concerned a lot about getting into that football shape. Because like you said, there's a difference between being in running and weightlifting and calisthenics shape. And then there's being in football shape and you take away the OTAs, the mini camp, you know, they're not in full pads out there, but they're still going through stuff. Receivers are still running routes, playing seven on seven O-line D line. are still getting one-on-ones in against each other. There's just no pads, but they're getting their breathing up to kind of gauge. There's no gauge right now. We don't know really anywhere what these guys capacity is for activity right now. Now, obviously they're professional athletes if they've been responsible. Cause I know we've seen plenty of videos of Patrick Mahomes working his tail off Kelsey Hill. Those guys are all working hard. You know, you see the guys that are working hard. Could there be a handful of guys that aren't in shape? Yes, there could be. I'd assume most guys in the NFL have been getting some kind of exercise in, but like I said a minute ago, it all goes down to are they in football shape? Are they ready to actually compete for four quarters? And I think even if they played just one preseason game, I don't know if that's enough time to be able to get everyone in that tip-top shaper to be able to gauge. I mean, the best-case scenario would be two, and they're talking about none, which I understand they're not. They're trying to limit exposures for games that don't matter, but there is still some value, especially towards the back end of rosters because, you know, it doesn't matter what kind of shape Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey are, and those guys are going to make the roster 100%, no doubt. But for an undrafted free agent like an offensive lineman, Daryl Williams, or a D-back like Javaris Davis, guys who are going to need these preseason reps and who are going to need to see and who are going to need the conditioning to be able just to make the roster I think that these are the guys that are going to be affected most, which a lot of which in the NFL, some teams have their stars and some don't. But when it comes down to competing for a Super Bowl, I think a lot of the time it has to do with the depth of the team. So I think that's a huge factor we could see impacted by this. Yeah, that's that. That is one hundred percent true. When you look at it, and it, people tweet this out, out all the time, and post it, and write it in articles and stuff. But a majority of the league is made up of unfra- undrafted free agents. Um, a lot of those back end drafted guys, the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round guys, they don't end up making the team. It's the undrafted free agent guys that end up making the team quite quite often. And like you just mentioned, my guy Javaris Davis. He needs to get in there and get his reps. If he's gonna be, if he's gonna find his time and get on the field, like I called weeks ago or a month ago, I don't even know what episode that was, but I called that he was gonna make the team and he was gonna even potentially carve out himself a nice little role in the nickel in the slot. He, he needs those reps to get out there to be able to do that. He can't. It's gonna be tough to do just from practice. Now, do I think it's possible? Yes. I mean, these guys are NFL evaluators and coaches. They're gonna be able to figure out, you know who's good enough to make the roster and who's not. But like you said, it's, it, it is a way different thing to see a guy in practice and see a guy on the field competing. 
in the preseason games, whether you think they're, you know, top notch um, competition or not. Sure. They're probably not. A lot of those guys don't end up making the teams, you know, there's 90 guys on the roster and they, they have to cut almost half of them basically off by the, by the first week. So, you know, yeah, it's not always the greatest competition, but the guys that usually make the teams are the ones that you can tell that are, that they flash, they flash those big plays like a, like a Byron Pringle. He had, you know, a great preseason. He's a guy that ended up making the roster because he showed out, you know, um, a lot of these guys also end up making the practice squad. So it, it, it's definitely going to be a valuable time that is going to be missed. And something else, you know, you think about with the preseason is, is a lot of times during the preseason, they roll out different rules that they're trying to incorporate that might be new. They're using new technology during games for, for the broadcast. So it's very interesting to me that the, the NFL actually offered the NFL PA um, no preseason games because I, I do think that that affects more than, like I was just saying, more than just the rosters. It affects potential rule changes. It affects potential um, new TV stuff with camera angles and new technology. Um, so it, it'll be very interesting to see kind of how this all plays out. And obviously this is such uncharted territory. Like we don't, you know, it's a national pandemic. Stuff is going to change constantly and everybody's trying to do what they deem is best at this point. Um, you know, one of the interesting things that we keep talking about here too is, is the conditioning. And you said how it's different for players to be in, in good shape, but it's also different to be in football shape And you know, as a player and a coach for a former player and a coach, I can tell you that football condition is, is definitely real. Um, it takes time for the body condition to the constant blows. Um, you know, I went from coaching football to coaching basketball, for many years and the guys that played football, it, it's a different shape than just, you know, running up and down a basketball court. It takes time to get in the actual football shape. So those are the things that I'm going to find very interesting. You know, coach Andy Reed, he even in his um, interviews today, he was saying that they're going to do two days of testing and then get into interviews and then start writing and lifting workouts. And they're actually going to spend up to 10 days with no pads on and just working out. I think that's pretty interesting and pretty, pretty telling about what they kind of have, you know, think has happened over this time during this whole break. You know, I really hate to be a pessimist on this show because I like to be a pretty optimistic person. But the further along we get into this month, as we're now to the start of training camp, the harder it gets for me to believe that we're going to be able to start the season on time on the scheduled date which the Chiefs have the Thursday night game on, what is it, like September 9th versus the Houston Texans. I don't know if I can even see that possible for happening because as you just said, the training camp has started. I know, guys, I know it's like a month away from September. It takes about a month to get your body into that good football shape where you could be able to go 70 reps at minimum a game and stuff like that. And the Chiefs are starting their training camp period with – at least 10 days of conditioning after two days of testing. So rookies report today, I believe the 23rd or the 25th is when the rest of the team reports. So then they have to wait two days. So we're not even, we might not even be looking at starting anything up until the 27th. So next Monday at the earliest and then 10 days past that, would be end up being like August 6th or something like that. August 6th, that would be the 
after 10 days of conditioning, that would be the first day they'd be able to start. And as we know, they usually start the preseason normally, training camp normally, like two weeks before the first preseason game so they could start to get an idea of all this. Plus, they've had OTAs and many camps and everything normally, so guys have a gauge for what kind of shape they're in. It just seems like it's going to be a tall order. Now, we get into the COVID situation. What happens if we have multiple guys testing positive? And if I were the NFL PA, I would be slamming the table this season to go out and create at least 80-man active rosters plus about 10 more practice squad spots, so about 90 total guys on a team to be able to go with this to be able to go with this uh the pandemic if guys get sick cuz here's a scenario for you the chiefs have two very good tackles in Mitchell Schwartz and Eric Fisher their job is to protect Patrick Mahomes if both of them were to test positive they could be out at least 2 weeks or until they test negative um looking at the chiefs roster tackle is a position they cannot afford to lose cuz i believe the only other options they would have at tackle on their roster would be Martinez Rankin, who we still are unsure what his health status was, but the latest update wasn't too positive. What we heard here about last month, there was Mike Rimmers, who is average at best at tackle, who I think will be better off at guard. There's Lucas Nyong, whose body is probably still not healed from his labrum injury and who might not be ready, and there is Greg Sennett, who was on the, who's been on the Baltimore Ravens practice squad and our practice squad this last season. There's not a lot of experience, so if those two guys go out and get hurt, I mean, they could be hurting unless they could figure out something to do. And likewise, we saw Matt Moore get signed the other day when they've already got Chad Henney and Jordan Tayamu on the roster. I think it's just for something like that exactly if one of those guys were to get sick Andy Reid says, I have to have somebody in here that knows what's going on. Chad Henney and Matt Moore know what's going on. You know, if God forbid Patrick Mahomes were to get sick with COVID or test positive and not be able to play, you know, they're going to have to have somebody in there that can fill the shoes and be able to come to compete. But as far as the getting ready stuff goes, I just think it gets harder and harder. You know, the more positive tests, the more people that end up getting sick. And I'm really trying not to be negative about it. I think it's just the reality of the situation that we could be looking at a pushed back start to the season. Yeah. I I find it interesting too, that the NFL hasn't and the NFL PA hasn't maybe, and obviously maybe they have, have, we don't really know what's going on behind closed doors, but they haven't really come out and talked about creating that bubble something like the NBA did where they, put all the players down in Orlando and they're playing, they're all staying in that little bubble and playing. Now, obviously it's a different circumstance. I would think um, with the amount of players that the NFL has, but the the NBA just came back and said that they had absolutely nobody test positive for coronavirus. And that was like 340 something players. So maybe they'll be proposing that, that there there's a bubble at least for a little while. 
um, to maybe, like you said, that maybe they were hopeful that this COVID stuff would be going away by this point, and and maybe they will. Maybe they'll put a bubble in until it starts to calm down again, and we're not seeing all these spikes in these different um, states. So that'll be that'll be something very interesting. And, and I want to know what, what's your opinion on this? Like, what can you actually expect from rookies that are not getting? this traditional amount of time to incorporate themselves in NFL franchises. I'm thinking of a guy like even first round pick, first overall pick Joe Burrow, right? The guy is going to go into Cincinnati. He's going to have no OTAs. He's going to have basically no preseason. Um, it looks like he's going to have none of those reps. And then he's going to have to go out and to play to a chiefs division rival, the, the Los Angeles chargers in the first week off of like no real reps in the NFL. If I'm the Cincinnati Bengals right now, I'm sitting Joe Burrow this whole season. This just it's a shenanigan from top to bottom. It's gonna be a wild year. Sit him, take your ass beating, go draft Pete Suell, number one overall next year. But you cannot you can't send a quarterback out there as a rookie who hasn't had those live reps and be able to expect him to succeed. That is just that would be foolish on the Cincinnati Bengals. I think that it also depends on the position of the player. Like, I think that Clyde Edwards-Hilaire will be okay. I think he'll need a slight adjustment to the speed and physicality of the NFL game. But at the end of the day, zone is zone. You know, it might take the Chiefs a little bit longer than they wanted to to incorporate the passing game. But at the end of the day, if he can run zone right and zone left, it's going to be okay. And likewise, would like, a defensive end like Chase Young, he's going to have to get used to the physicality and quickness of NFL tackles. But at the end of the day, he's going to be a big enough, strong enough guy with enough moves to be able to succeed. But then you talk about like rookie defensive backs, because I know the Chiefs are going to have a few of them competing for spots on the roster. That is going to be so tough on those guys. Defend, rookie defensive backs and quarterbacks are going to have it harder than any other position in the NFL this year. And I know the Chiefs were probably banking on Legereus Sneed to come in and compete, but he might have to sit for a few weeks, and it might be the Rashad Fenton and Antonio Hamilton and Charvarius Ward show while we're waiting for Rashad Breeland to get off suspension and while they're still trying to incorporate these guys. But it's going to be hard on, like, rookie offensive linemen, it's going to be hard on. I think defensive linemen have it a lot easier because, you know, it's like the running back thing. You know, you got to just pick something and do it or try to two-gap if they're familiar with the system that they're playing in. Um, and another thing people aren't talking about is the Chiefs really don't have a for-sure punter right now, and we're not going to have the preseason to see that competition. So that could be another interesting thing. So I think that having a lot of these rookies and undrafted free agents, I don't think a lot of them are going to be able to contribute this year like their teams had originally imagined. Yeah, and that's kind of where my head was going with this whole thing was, was the battle at cornerback that the, the Kansas City Chiefs have. It's To me, it's obviously a, a massive question mark, and it's a lot of, one, we don't know what's going on with Brashad Breland. Like, obviously the Chiefs signed them, signed him, and they want him in Kansas City um, but we haven't heard really anything, at least I haven't, since his incident that he had with the cops at the gas station. Um, we haven't heard what his suspension was going to be really until um, 
right after that incident happened that they said it was going to be four games. Um, I don't know if the NFL has come out and officially said that, that he has a four game suspension yet. So there's a lot of question marks looming there. And I, I think one of the things, and this has kind of been the off season of Brett Veach to me is that one of the smart things that Veach did is that he took a lot of dart throws at the cornerback position. And I think we kind of touched on that when we did our, our rookie um, defensive talk on, on one of our podcasts is you get a lot of dart throws there. You just got to hope one sticks. And I think that they did that with all the guys that they drafted and the, and the undrafted free agents that they, they brought in. Um, hopefully these guys with limited time can come in and contribute in some way. Like you said, they do have some safety nets in Rashad Fenton and Antonio Hamilton, um, but I, I think they're really hopeful that like a luxurious Sneed is a guy that can come in and play. He's got such a great athletic profile. He's a guy that is, is, is a turnover machine. He intercepts the ball. He's got great hands when, you know, he gets his hands on it. He absolutely inter- actually intercepts it, which is, which is big. You know, the more chances you give Pat Mahomes with the football, I think the better off the, the Kansas city chiefs are going to be. Um, and I think that's, that's pretty obvious. And, and, you know, kind of along that lines with, with Veach, obviously he got the Chris Jones deal done. Um, that was the latest massive signing making him well, making now the chiefs having two defensive linemen over 20 million um, per year but kind of amidst all that, they the news drops today. Oh yeah, by the way, Brett Veach also signed all six of the rookies that the Chiefs drafted. Yeah, that was absolutely huge because I think Chiefs are a pretty model franchise right now. Everyone's trying to be like them, you know. From Clark Hunt down, they've been a really great organization, and you see that just by how hard Brett Veach is working. Because there's some teams they haven't signed anybody out of their rookie class yet, except for maybe their first round pick. But I think that's big for the Chiefs being able to sign these guys, especially being able to bring back Chris Jones. But doesn't Brett Veach just look like he's ahead of the curve for the rest of the NFL right now when it comes to these signings and just having a feel for these guys? And obviously Chris Jones was talking about it's the relationship he has, you know, I don't know what kind of player relationship guys like John Dorsey had had, but it seems like Brett Veach is, you know how they say Andy Reid's a player's coach. Brett Veach is a player's GM. You know, it seems like he's going to work to get the players the best deal possible, but because he's so personable and so relatable, he's going to be able to convince them to maybe help him out and help the team out a little bit. You know what I mean? Like Patrick Mahomes said that he left money on the table. So that, or Chris Jones said that Pat had texted him and said he'd left some money on the table so that the chiefs could go out and get stone cold. And what stone cold Jones do, he doesn't take a signing bonus because he knows he's going to have this guaranteed money in the bank. And I think that's all big stuff for winning culture. Cause when you're top guys at the top, say, all right, I have my money, I have what I need, now let's do it about the team. I think that just trickles down to everybody else and sets the example. Because, you know, I'm lots of the dumb people in the NFL, like Patriots fans or fans of other AFC West teams, they're like, how are the Chiefs getting all this money? How are the Chiefs doing that? Because Brett Veach knows how to manage the cap. The salary cap, I, ho- I don't want to go on a big tangent about the salary cap here, but 
if you could be flexible with your money and figure things out, because Brett Veach just quietly and under the radar the last year reworked the contracts of guys like Frank Clark, Eric Fisher, and Anthony Hitchens, LDT, and also Tyree Kill got a pretty team-friendly deal when he re-signed last year. So I think that when you see guys taking enough money to be considered elite pay at their position, but also leaving some on the table, I think that's the special thing, and I think that's the family atmosphere for the Chiefs. And as far as the rookies go, smart move, get a block down. I'm really excited when they release those to see how many years they end up being able to get Clyde Edwards-Hilaire locked up for because hopefully he'll be the running back for the foreseeable future. They won't have to worry about that position for a while. Yeah, and I think that that's why I say this, like, this is the offseason of Brett Veach to me. Like, obviously, I'm going to remember this this 2020 offseason for, for coronavirus and stuff, but I'm also going to remember it f- for Brett Veach and just the amazing things that he was, he's been able to pull off. I, I think it was just a month ago that the Chiefs had $177 in cap space, and then they went out and signed Pat Mahomes for half a billion dollars. Like, the guy just, he got he got the job done. And like you said, I think that, that story that Chris Jones said that that Pat texted him and said, "Hey, I left money on the table for you. Get the job, you know, get the deal done." Basically, that's like one of the cool stories I think I've heard in the NFL when it comes to players getting signed. Like Mahomes clearly sees the big picture here. He, I don't know if like people realize, and I don't even know if I realize like how lucky he is to be a Kansas City Chief. Like it's more than just the amazing play, but like. The guy is the complete package. He's the face of the NFL. He might be the face of all of sports right now. And you couldn't really ask for anybody better to be the leader in Kansas City right now. It's like the perfect setup with him and Reed and, and Veach now. Um, just there in the leadership that they have and the leadership they're showing going through this whole coronavirus thing, which I think they, they've really handled tremendously. They've been able to bring that whole core and everybody's talked about that, you know, over and over and over how they were able to sign all the guys that they wanted and bring everybody back. And now they got the rookie deals done. And I'll tell you, I think obviously Clyde Edwards Hilaire is, is a phenomenal player, but I think the rookie that I'm most excited for is Willie Gay Jr. Just because of his athletic profile and what I think he can bring to that Steve Spagnola defense. Cause I think quietly this, this chief's defense could be pretty good if that second corner spot, um, really tightens up because they, they finished the year really, really strong. And I think that was because they were finally starting to get everything in Coach Spagnuolo's system. They were, they were getting everything figured out, and, and they could be real dangerous because they really struggled in that coverage linebacker spot, and Gay is so good. And I think I, – I wish I knew who it was that tweeted it out, but somebody tweeted out the athletic profile of Willie Gay, and it was comparing him to, like, Bobby Wagner, who has been one of the best linebackers, if not the best linebacker in the NFL for, for multiple years now for the Seattle Seahawks. So if he ended up anything like Bobby Wagner, the, the Chiefs just got, like, the steal of the century in the draft. You know, as much as I've enjoyed seeing Willie Gay's college film, I just have – I don't know. I have reservations about him being ready to be like a starter right away at the uh, Sam or the will for the chiefs. You know, obviously he's got the athleticism to do it, but playing linebacker in spag system, you know, I think they're going to want him to be more flexible since he is more athletic. And I think it's going to take 
just a little bit of time. So if he struggles out of the gate this season, I'm not going to hold it against him just out of the prep time. Obviously, I think we're all looking forward to Clyde Edwards-Hilaire because, you know, like you can either find the hole in zone and break a tackle or you can't. That's going to be something that we find out very quickly. The more I've been watching film on Mike Dana, the more his game really impresses me because he is by no standards a great athlete by any stretch of the imagination. But what he does have, he is physical, he plays hard, and he really works his technique. I've been able to find some all-22 college tape through some digging I've been doing, and I wasn't even specifically watching for him. I was looking for prospects for next year, but the dude pops off the tape because you see him working. He's working different techniques. I see him inside working a three technique, and he goes from a bull rush to like a push and a pull. And then two reps later, he's lined up in a five tech and it's a run play and he's crashing in, busting a double team between a tackle and a tight end and making the running back go back inside to his defenders. And that's the stuff that gets me fired up. Now, obviously the Chiefs have what I think is going to be an elite defensive line this year, but I think Dane is going to be a guy we see on like rundowns in as potentially a tight five technique and on passing downs or like when the Chiefs go with like their NASCAR series, which is where they'll probably take all the interior guys like the Noddies and the Pinnells and the Saunders off the field, leave every, take them all off except for, and uh, put Chris Jones like over the center or in a one shade and put uh, Dana into the three and then maybe even have like, lined up on the edge like Frank Clark and then like an, another edge rusher, uh, Alex Oak four and have probably a walk up like the honey badger or somebody like that to kind of speed up the throw and kind of change it up the rhythm of the O line. I think that's a place where he's going to be able to excel early just because I think that he's going to work his technique. He appears to be a very and highly intelligent football player and he kind of has to be because he's not a great athlete. And I know I've talked about it before, but I think that Brendan Daly is going to turn him into a player. And I think he'll be a sleeper for the Chiefs contributing wise this year. Yeah, it's going to be super interesting to see um, where Dana kind of fits in in that defensive rotation and kind of um, what we get from him. He was, you know, like you're talking about, ultra productive before he transferred to Michigan, um, had a ton of sacks, then went to Michigan and they kind of kicked him inside there. So he's been, he did some different stuff there his last year at Michigan that he wasn't doing before where he was a primary um, edge rusher and then he moved inside to that three technique and stuff. So like you said, though, Daly will coach him up. I'm sure, I'm sure he'll have him ready, um, ready to go. But so kind of before we get out of here, We've talked about how this has been the offseason of Brett Veach and all the signings and all that kind of stuff. Um, if you had one wish for Brett Veach to make one move, and it could be anybody, any free agent right now, who would you want Brett Veach to go out and sign um, for the Kansas City Chiefs? <laughs> you you already know who I was because I've been harping on it for two months now. There's a all-pro, Pro Bowl guard who is a free agent named Larry Warford. And, you know, he's game and maybe has showed some signs of decline over the last couple of seasons. He would step into the Kansas City right away and be our best interior offensive lineman. And it wouldn't even be close. And I think that in the era of that we're about to have 
where we have to keep Patrick Mahomes healthy. Larry Warford, I think, would be a great pick. He can pass block. He's a reliable veteran. He's spent the last few years pass blocking for Drew Brees. He's pass blocked for Matt Stafford. So he's been around. He understands the importance of being able to set the pocket, set the wall up front. And I also think that he's a good enough athlete to be able to fit the profile Andy Reid looks for, an offensive lineman. That is my guy. If they did, if they went out and signed him, I would be ecstatic. I'd write an article about how Brett Veach should be in the Hall of Fame because he he would step in right away and literally be better than anything the Chiefs have for their interior offensive lineman. And you put him next to Eric Fisher and Mitchell Schwartz. Well, now we're talking a situation where they're going to be able to run the ball effectively behind those guys. Also, I think he would help Ryder out at center. Larry Warford's my guy. He's a free agent. Justin, who who would you go out and get right now if you could? Yeah, the I mean, I won't take Larry Warford because you just talked <laughs> talked about why he would be such a great signing. He obviously would probably be my top choice, and that's pretty much because, like you said, got to keep Pat Pat upright. But if 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 I had to choose someone different, I would say probably Everson Griffin. I think that Griffin's a pretty pretty underrated player and has been kind of his whole career. Um, you know, we talked about how strong the defensive line is, and I think one of the more underrated moves in the NFL is making one of your strongest groups stronger. And I think that that would add a great veteran pass rusher um, to, to an already pretty good defensive line that has Chris Jones and Frank Clark. Uh, Griffin had eight sacks last year. He's had double digit sacks three times in his career. Um, He's only 32 years old, so he's a veteran, but he's not, he's not too old. I don't think to still be productive. I, you know, I think, you know, they went out and signed Terrell Suggs at the end of last year. Um, as a guy that they hoped could could create a little bit of pressure, and I think Griffin is light years ahead of where Suggs was at this point in his career. Um, so I think that would be interesting. Or you know, if there's a is a solid veteran corner maybe out there that they could pick up, I wouldn't hate that either. But I think that uh, I think Griffin would be my guy if it wasn't Warford. But I think that these things would just be cherries on top of an already incredible offseason for Brett Veach. Um, but Let's get out of here. Before we do, though, Caleb, as always, let's tell tell everybody what you're working on and where they can find you. All right, y'all. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at CJ Scoobs. Also, make sure to give Chiefs Take a follow. That's at Chiefs Take. It's just another one of our Twitter sites here at Arrowhead Live that uh, we try to get some interaction out of. I kind of throw some hot takes and some funny things out there every once in a while. So uh, what I've been working on lately is obviously I'll have a new edition of the GMKC coming out this week where I'm going to kind of go through an initial look at who's on the roster. I'm going to make a case for why there should be expanded rosters given the current situation. And I also got done working on a McCole Hardman film session type deal since it seems to be the popular thing to do right now in circles around chief's kingdom as all well as the nfl um i know everyone's comparing him to tyree kill but you gotta remember eric Bieniemy said he's a lot like chad ochocinco and when i watch their body type and the way they kind of move and run their routes he does look a more a lot more like a faster ochocinco than he does a Tyree kill. So I think that he has a chance to light the league on fire this year. 
in the Chiefs offense. I think there's going to be a lot of bombs. And I'm also going to be starting to work on a little piece where I go inside why the Chiefs could have the best defensive line in all of football this year. Because I think that Chris Jones and Frank Clark are primed to tear it up this season. Why don't you go ahead and uh, let everybody know what you got going on? Yeah, so I am today. So we're recording on a Monday night. So the article that just came out for me today was an article on is Tom Brady a top 10 quarterback in the NFL for 2020 season? So you're definitely going to want to check that out. I'm not going to give you any spoilers. You got to go find the article, go read it, see what I had to say about him. Um, also got, as always, Power Rankers Digest coming out on Wednesday. Um, been going through over some fantasy stuff. So fantasy guys out there, go check it out. I rank the top 25 receivers and the top 25 running backs so far. Um, so might continue that little series with the fantasy stuff. Um, and Or I might change it up yet. I haven't quite decided what that article is going to be about. But you can find me on um, Twitter, jdiz1617, as always. And we also have uh, our Twitter handle for this. It's the corner underscore AL. Um, but we appreciate you all being here. We appreciate you listening. This was episode 10 of the Chiefs Quarter, guys. And we'll talk to you next time. Coach's Quarter. <laughs>